0: Downloads of this show are available on podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app.
1: Vous avez lu l'histoire de Jesse James? Comment il a vécu? Comment il est mort? Ça vous a plu, hein? Vous en demandez encore? Prénom, c'est Bunny. Bunny. A eux deux, ils forment le gang Barrow. Leur nom, Bunny Parker et Clyde Barrow. Bunny Bunny and
2: Clyde. Bunny and Clyde. Clyde. Moi,
1: lorsque j'ai connu Clyde autrefois, C'était un gars loyal, honnête et droit. Il faut croire que c'est la société qui m'a définitivement abîmé. Bunny and Claire. Bunny and Claire. Qu'est-ce qu'on n'a pas écrit sur elle et moi? Et tant
2: que nous tuons
1: de sang-froid, c'est pas drôle, mais on est bien obligé
2: de faire taire
1: vie qui se met à gueuler. Bonnie and Clyde.
2: Bonnie and Clyde.
1: Chaque fois qu'un policeman se fait buter.
2: De s'installer tranquille
1: dans un meublé Dans les trois jours voilà le tac 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 Des mitraillettes qui reviennent à l'attaque Bonnie and Clyde Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde
2: La solution c'était mourir
1: mais plus d'un les a suivis en enfer quand son nom baroe et banni par
2: coeur,
0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Crime Talk. I'm your host, Joanna Perpich, and I am joined here with a co-host, Megan. Are you online? I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, Where are you calling in from again? You're um, out of town, right?
3: Yeah, I'm calling uh, live from my mother's bedroom in Edina, Minnesota.
0: That's pretty exciting. We have some Midwest (laughs) representation on the show and uh, we're also here with friend of the show Dennis Uh and uh, the three of us are here today to talk about crime or I should say murder memorabilia also known as murderbilia which is a word I have a very hard time pronouncing Um, (laughs) maybe my co-host can do a better job of it than me It, Uh,
3: it gets lost in my mouth too
0: And uh, but before we get to the exciting world of um, Bobo the Clown paintings, we uh, have a couple of announcements for you guys, starting off with uh, Radio Free Brooklyn's after school program. Uh, I keep telling you guys about it because I'm so excited. Radio Free Brooklyn is proud to announce that we will be launching an after school program for local teens in 2019. To learn media literacy through media making using a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. Those local professionals might be us. But it'll still be fun. We guarantee your kids are going to learn a lot. And um, yeah, let's have some budding reporters and talk show hosts running around Bushwick. Uh, I would be really excited if we could just uh, be able to give every kid a mic and recorder and see what they come up with, see the world through their eyes. Um, now, we've gotten a very generous grant from the city, but we um, could always use a little bit more, and that's where our listeners come in. Uh, you can find out more about the After School Program, and then also donate, donate, donate at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash afterschool. Again, that's radiofreebrooklyn.org slash afterschool. And now it is time for news of the week. <clears throat> and uh, I know that usually when we put these things together, it tends to be a little back heavy. Uh, but we actually have some stuff that's been going on all through this past week. And um, the theme that I'm at least noticing is uh, people impersonating uh public officers to uh, rob and harm you. Uh, So, you know, always check, ask for identification uh, when people knock on your door. And then also, Megan, I know that you were looking through some new stuff, too. So if there's anything on here that I missed that you think that we should talk about, please let me know. I will. So first off, Monday, police announced that two men posing as utility workers Robbed a woman of two thousand five hundred dollars. Um, this is in her home in Ocean Avenue in Brooklyn, and uh, she was she's eighty eight. Fortunately, she's fine. But they came up to her apartment. They said that they needed to check out the utility issue. So of course, she lets them in. Once she get once they get inside, they demand this money from her. And um stole it, ran off into a truck that was driven by a third person.
3: Hmm. Uh something similar actually someone knocked on my door for the same reason a couple of weeks ago. They had a it was just one guy with a clipboard saying that he needed to come in and look at my utility bills.
0: Did were you suspicious? Uh, Did you let him in? No,
3: I told him to go fuck himself. Um, <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> but, was he wearing a con ed vest
3: he wasn't wearing anything he was wearing some lanyard with some plastic form of id inside but there was no indication that he belonged to any sort of utility
0: that is scary Should what be- did he what did he do when you did you just slam the door in his face or did he try to yeah. like, defend himself I, like-
3: I mean i said it really loudly so my neighbors on my floor would hear and i sort of laughed in his face and and slammed the door but um This is actually pretty prevalent these days.
0: Well, good for you. I mean, uh, I find it very intimidating, and I usually go back on wanting to comply. So I think it takes a lot of bravery to be able to recognize the situation and immediately just be able to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then on Wednesday, we have, ooh, mob boss. (laughs) sorry i got really excited for this one (laughs) all right wednesday former new england crime boss francis cadillac frank salome is now in custody at the metropolitan detention center in brooklyn following his huh no go
3: ahead sorry
0: (laughs) following his life in sentence life sentence last month for the 1993 murder of a south boston club owner uh, Salome and co-defendant Paul Wiedek were sentenced to life in prison in September after being convicted of killing Stephen Decero, um, a 43 year old father of five, which is very mm. upsetting, uh, to keep him from cooperating with the FBI. This is according to the Boston Globe. Uh, so I wasn't able to dig too much into it, but it sounds like Cadillac Frank was your run of the mill mobster. He was a hitman and was definitely in charge of making sure that um, witnesses ended up at the bottom of a river. Um, so I think that is, it sounds like it's probably just like a really cool f- story. The Salome, it's like a family in Boston. Yeah, You're from Boston. Have you heard of these guys, Dennis? No,
4: it sounds like they departed, honestly.
0: Yeah. I was like, I started seeing like the Sopranos when I was reading <laughs> this article.
3: Are they? Is are these guys uh, related to Whitey Bulger in any way?
0: Ooh,
4: yeah, that's what I was wondering.
0: I don't know. That'd be something to look into.
3: Well, I just I'm asking because I was I was just reading about um, on our topic today. The, the federal government put up a bunch of Whitey Bulger's effects for auction.
4: For auction, huh?
0: Mm-hmm. We were- no, he
4: actually did have strong ties to Whitey Bulger. It turns out. Oh, uh, this is Cadillac Frank we're talking about.
0: So, uh, not to be um, completely clueless, but could you guys please talk a little bit about Whitey Bulger? Just like who he is.
4: Um, Whitey Bulger was a Irish um, mobster, I guess, but his brother, Billy Bulger, was very prominent in Massachusetts politics. He was the head of the University of Massachusetts for a while. He... So it was a very kind of a weird dynamic that you had these two brothers that um, Whitey was like this kind of criminal kingpin and uh, Billy was in like the state government pretty high up.
0: So it's kind of like the um, Tammany Hall boss tweed situation. Sounds like a little bit.
4: In a way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Except way more.
3: Whitey went on the run for like 25 years. He they only found him a couple of years ago in Arizona. I think it was. Yeah, he was
4: living a kind of a modest life there. I think with his new wife or something like that. Who I'm not sure if uh, she yeah. knew about what his past was, or if she was just part of like the on the run thing. But
0: yeah, that sounds like quite the dinner conversation. Hey, sweetie, I'm a mobster.
3: <laughs> Why do you have eight hundred
0: fifty thousand dollars? In,
4: in briefcases buried in the, in the, the
0: backyard. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's wonderful. So um out of like all of my like true crime threads that I've gone down uh like the mob and organized crime is one that has always seemed so opaque to me like I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh but then since and I actually didn't even think that um the mob was real until I moved <laughs> to New York. Just yeah, like literally. I mean, I, th- I think of it similar to how I think about like Cowboys or something where this is like the distant, distant past. <laughs> I guess this happened. Um, so I get really excited when I'm reading the Brooklyn Eagle over my coffee and I come across these types of cases. <laughs> Let me see. What else happened this week? Thursday. Oh, this is a sad one. Twenty three year old Annika Casino was arrested for killing her co worker and roommate, uh Kaimar Thane this past July. Uh they were having an argument and um let me see um Casino and her uh boyfriend uh put uh thane in a chokehold, placed duct tape over her mouth, and tied her hands and legs together. Uh this Aww. yeah. And, um, again, like, the murderers are really young, 23. And then the victim, she was actually, um, I think she was like a 58-year-old nurse. And um, the article that I was reading, her coworkers were talking about her and saying that she was just very sweet and loving and um, just straight-up tragedy. Clearly, there are some people with some anger issues that maybe they can work on in prison. Um the and this actually was uh went unsolved for a little bit. Um the body was found a few days later when her employer employer called a wellness check. But again, this is in July and we're just now seeing arrests. Right. So it's
4: a long kind of investigation.
3: Well, you only get one chance to get right,
0: you know. Yeah, and I'm assuming that like prosecutors want to make sure that they have everything in hand um before they bring it to trial. So
3: Yeah.
0: And then uh on Friday, uh, we have another um identity issue. Uh this one I think is quite a bit worse because uh two people were pretending to be police officers. Um although to be fair in this day and age I think people in general are a little bit scared of the police. So maybe this isn't quite as uh, surprising and traumatic as it might have been in the 80s when cops gave you lollipops or something. Um, But the police are asking for the public's help to identify a man who participated as part of a a two-man robbery uh, where they pretended to be police officers. This was on October 9th. Two men just uh, walked into a 32-year-old man's apartment um, in at St. John's place and uh, they presented a gun and shield to verify their identity. Of course they're not. And the, the robbers just pushed their way in, tied up the man's hands and feet. And then, um, Oh, they also, uh, tied up a 90 year old woman and blindfolded a 77 year old woman who were also in the apartment. Uh, now, the police have caught one suspect, uh, but they are uh, calling out for the public to help them catch the second. They do have video footage. Uh, he was last seen wearing a skull cap, a striped shirt and light colored pants. He is described as a black male, six feet tall and in his early 50s. Anyone with information regarding this incident is asked to call Crime Stoppers at 800 tips That's eight hundred five seven seven
3: 577 tips Joanna, should we loop in that new uh, law that we were reading about earlier this week about how you now, uh, the, the police officers are going to be carrying business cards?
0: Oh, yeah, go ahead.
3: Um, I, and, um, <clears throat> I'm only running off my memory here, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but the article said that the new law is that the police officers will be carrying business cards and they actually have to identify themselves with their name and badge number and the business card when they stop you. Is that
0: correct? Yeah, like if you ask them, they have to be able to provide this information. So that's actually, because mm-hmm. I was sitting here reading this and I'm like, oh man, you know, if they gave me a badge, I don't know what a real badge looks like. I would be like, mm. <laughs> like goodbye, all my money. Um so thank you for reminding for reminding us. Um, yeah. That's a great idea, too, though. If something happens that you want to file a complaint against someone, um, you'll actually be able to track down that person.
4: Instead of relying on your memory if you asked for a name.
0: It's like, yeah. I don't know. He looked like a cop.
4: <laughs> Lucid.
0: <laughs> so that's my news of the week. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to add, Megan?
3: Um, no, it's been a, it's been a frenzied week, so I've not, um, you know, other than the horrible pipe bombs and things that aren't so local, I don't really have anything else to add. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) No worries. I was just hoping you'd keep on talking to cover up one of my yawns. It is a little early. Um, yeah, we're just so happy that we could, uh, join you, um, that you could join us on the show. I know that you had to get out of town pretty quickly yeah for some personal reasons and i'm happy
3: to do it well so thank you so much
0: in. you always have room on the show <laughs> um all right so now on to crime memorabilia and honestly this is just our episode on true crime fandom uh we talk probably too much about this and it's just kind of you know we're in the halloween spirit oh right that's my final news of the week is halloween is on wednesday but um <laughs> so we were just trying to think of some like fun ways to wrap up october and uh there's just so much to this discussion and um there's also a lot of some ethical issues uh that we're going to be talking about today um but just as an introduction uh i'd like to say okay so what is crime memorabilia crime memorabilia is stuff that was either owned by serial killers murderers etc things that these people have made or things that people have ma- made about these guys so just you go to star wars you can buy your Chewbacca pez dispenser i don't know maybe there's one of ted bundy out there floating around the internet
3: God
0: help us. <laughs> I mean, there probably is. Let's be real. There
3: probably is.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, well, for Secret Santa, I want a, a, a serial killer Pez
4: collection.
3: <laughs> well, there are action figures. I know that. So, keep an eye out.
4: That's a little seedy. Like, I was reading about the son of Sam's gun. Um, he apparently used something called a Charter Arms Bulldog 44. Um, and it was a famous gun at the time. But The company, Charter Arms, apparently introduced a new gun called the Son of Sam edition Charter Arms Bulldog 44, which seems like in really terrible taste to me. I mean, I don't know about (laughs) you all, but...
0: Oh, my God. Uh, This was
4: in 2010 that they did it, too.
0: 2010. Yes. I am dying. Um, Of course, our listeners are familiar with Son of Sam. Um, We had uh, Chris Mann, a storyteller, Mahan... I can never get his last name right. It's Irish. (laughs) Uh, But he came on and talked about Son of Sam and also the media storm around it. And so, I mean, in some ways, I'm not too surprised. But I can't imagine being like a a gun salesman and talking about the Son of Sam edition. It's
4: the same. (laughs) the same weapon. It's poor taste.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like when I was looking back in history, I was trying to find like the first crime memorabilia ever like acquired by the public. And uh, it was a little unsuccessful on that front. But it seems like a lot of this really took off with Jack the Ripper. Uh, Jack the Ripper is one of the uh, first well-known serial killers um, in the 1880s, 1890s in London. And um, there were a series of very brutal murders of uh, sex workers that was happening at night around the city for like six years, maybe like five Mm -hmm. years. He was never caught. There's still huge speculation. And let's just say that the media lost their fucking minds. (laughs) And they actually coined the term Jack the Ripper, uh, which we've since seen in... um, a variety of other um, murders as well. Yeah. Uh, like... The term Ripper. Yeah. Well, not only the term Ripper, but the media getting um, a little overexcited about a serial killer and then giving them a name and thus giving them more notoriety. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have, like, this whole, like, Jack the Ripper tabloid launching him into, like, this celebrity status... Uh, Also, uh, this history of public executions and um, folklore related to crime. And it really does seem like since the beginning of time, we have not only been fascinated by crime, but also fascinated by the killers. So,
3: Yeah, Uh, I was reading an article where um, this whole idea of the killer's and the media frenzy started with the advent of print media. So you're, you know, you, it, the frenzy itself creates this celebrity of these killers, and that's when the that's when the line between notoriety and and infamy, and then just merit-based celebrity, sort of faded completely.
0: And you get women writing letters to these men in prison, falling in yeah.
4: love. Proposals of marriage to Charles yeah. Manson.
3: Well, that kind of behavior is, you know, there's rewards. You get fan mail and marriage, marriages and headlines.
4: When, when the police talk about, like, copycat killers, it seems like that's the sort of thing that would be just fed or, like, kind of initiated because there's so much media attention paid to a certain killer. Otherwise, who would really know to do it?
3: Yeah. Well, you see that. Or even some sort of, like, homage to the original killer.
0: And you see that a lot, too, with school shootings. Mm -hmm. They all reference each other. And you go, nobody listening to this, don't go on it. But if you happen to go on 4chan, there are all of these sub-threads, like these, like, insult threads that are worshipping, like, Elliot Rogers and all these horrible people. And it's like... Uh, I find it incredibly disturbing, but it is like peak copycat killer where they see these people's names on the news and they want to emulate that behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. um, And then, of course, uh, when you have any sort of fandom, you have people wanting to buy this crap. And... Love- um. Yeah, so it's I'm sure that this is there's been like a market for this stuff for a while. And, you know, like you have auction houses or estate sales. Um, Also, police, their evidence rooms are usually not super big. So at certain points, they will clear them out. And uh, actually, my coworker and I were both into true crime, if you can tell. And uh, we found one of these websites where they auction off unclaimed evidence. And you can go on there and buy like rings or bracelets or things that have been like lost or stolen. And it's just available to the general public. Uh, Now, of course, the police are not going to be releasing evidence related in a murder case. But sometimes stuff slips out. And that's where you get a lot of this crime memorabilia is it used to be like person-to-person sales, but then yeah. with uh, the Internet, <laughs> they opened up this whole new world. And for a while, eBay was really the place to go for this. Uh, but then we have Andy Kahn, who is a victim's advocate, and he found out that uh, people were selling This stuff online and he flipped out rightly so I mean he's working with victims um, you know families of people who've been murdered and Mm -hmm. they I'm sure don't want their sisters murderers ring to be going to whoever and so Andy Khan actually petitioned for eBay to close that part of the site And he was successful um, in 2001. He got eBay to ban selling anything that was related to violent crime. And I found a quote of him and he said that crime memorabilia is one of the most egregious things I've ever seen after being involved in the criminal justice system for 25 years. I was stunned and mortified that individuals can commit these types of offenses and go on to further cla- and go on to further claim infamy and immortality. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, wasn't the eBay thing related to one of the the Columbine shooters' car? Say more. Wasn't that listed on eBay? That no, makes sense. Time?
4: It's like the right time.
0: I uh, could you say it? I, I didn't see that, so I, I'm interested to hear what you found. Um, I
3: did I did read that the Columbine shooter's car was listed originally on ebay and that the auction had got pulled right before they I think right before they shut down that entire marketplace.
0: That is so gross.
3: It's just creepy and fucked up.
0: And like we're seeing this as people who love crime and like will get drinks and talk about serial killers. So I mean <laughs> like <laughs> There's clearly a line even for true crime fans.
4: Yeah, there's like a difference between like uh having the original manuscript of the Unabomber Manifesto and just having his like plaid shirts. It's like, ooh, the Unabomber, so cool. I wanna wear his plaid shirts. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: Yeah, what's what's the distinction you see there between those two?
4: One of it is like kind of you might have it like in a library about this was like a this was a guy that did all this kind of terrorist stuff and had this manifesto, which you can see here. The other one's like this guy like had this stuff that I'm just gonna use in my daily life because I think this guy is interesting or cool or something.
0: so you're imagining people actually like wearing the shirts or oh, yeah. the rings or yeah see if I bought any of this stuff it would definitely just go on a shelf you know like I don't think I would ever
3: I mean I agree how and you're right there's something really wrong with you if you think walking around in the a hoodie. Is cool.
4: Are you, you going to tell everybody that it's the
0: Unabomber hoodie? Exactly. Uh, but also, I think that the difference between, say, collecting the letters that serial killers wrote, like, say, the Son of Sam letters, getting original. Uh, all right, guys. Santa. I would uh-huh. love to have an original letter of Son of Sam under the condition that he didn't get any money for it, or his estate, or whatever. Um... Yeah, that, I think that would be my main one. But okay. there's history behind it and, like, newsworthiness to it. And so for me personally, I see a very big distinction between things that are historical and things that are the tissue that Ted Bundy blew his nose on before picking up the suitcase, <laughs> right?
4: Ted Bundy's hair, Yeah, oh,
0: Like,
3: uh, there's... The peripheral, inane objects of the 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 day-to-day
0: minutiae right yeah because one of them seems to be trying to understand the crime and the other one seems to be about like worship
4: yeah mm-hmm. it could be just like there's a uh, there's a crime um you've probably all heard about like Lizzie borden's um 40 wax and like basically yeah. there was a uh they have a bread and breakfast now in um fall river where it's like it's i think it's at the mansion where she bought and lived out the rest of her life after the crime but she was never convicted, but people would just know that know that rhyme. They go there and they eat the breakfast that the family ate the day that the murders happened, and so forth. It it seems a little <laughs> bit, yeah, it's a long time ago, but it seems a little bit just weird to do that.
0: Megan, uh, <laughs> uh, would you do that? With I, yeah, me? I'm good.
3: I don't need to
0: do that. Oh no, I would do that. I going like,
3: to go to. Brought, yeah, that sounds interesting. I think it's the breakfast that's the turnoff.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit. It was a little bit mundane. It's like one thing to have the uh, the head of the hatchet that was used in the crime, or that they think was used yeah. in the crime, but hanging out at her house. Is a little, I mean, I don't know, though. You can also look at it as, we want to get into the mindset of what was happening that day. So this yeah. is what it was like I, there.
3: I think a lot of these places would have a place in a museum of sorts, or, you know, um, that I don't have a problem with, but um, some of the stuff, Joanna, you're right. It's just it comes off as just sort of hero worship, and it's really, really weird.
0: Well, I also think that the passage of time is really important because, say, for like Lizzie Borden, I would be very comfortable going eating the breakfast, doing something ho- like hokey, whatever. It's mm-hmm. like not only is everyone is like long gone that was involved in that. And True. whereas like um there's a show on Netflix called Dark Tourism. Have you guys listened I've, to see Yeah, that? I've
3: seen a few episodes of that, yeah.
0: And um so at one part they go to where JFK was shot in Dallas. And there. there's this guy who is kind of like weirdly enacting the assassination. hmm I find that incredibly distasteful. Like the party bus? Yeah.
4: yeah just like, you can see over there behind the grass, you know, there's the third gunman. Ooh, who is it?
3: It's like a party bus with with disco music playing. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I saw that episode.
4: You yeah. wonder, like, if it was legal to have, um, like, weapons of, of that sort of thing, like, you'd have uh, in private collector's hands instead of in museums, like, you have this kind of specter of people who didn't like Kennedy. Just like trying to get v. Harvey Oswald's guns, or like Jack Ruby's guns, or stuff like that, it it seems like it's really kind of morally gray, and it's really easy to just be super bad about it.
3: We could, you know, we could ask George Zimmerman. He sold his gun.
4: Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: That he shot Trayvon Martin
4: with. Yikes! I heard he used to brag about having a gun and getting away with murder in bars in Florida, and kept on being assaulted by other bar patrons who didn't like hearing that.
3: Yeah, I heard that too.
0: There were some several
3: reports about that. Ugh.
0: She's a dick. Yeah, my stomach just turned sour thinking about. Sorry about that. No, I mean it's worth knowing, or I, or at least uh, God. I just can't imagine giving somebody money. That's I think where I draw the line is um, when the murderer benefits from it. And fortunately, in most states, they don't. Uh so yeah. there's there it's called Son of Sam Laws. And uh so the Son of Sam Laws uh got started up when son of Sam David Berkowitz, who is we keep on coming back to on this show.
4: <laughs>
0: uh but anyway he's a, uh, local, he's a local Brooklyn local boy. Killer. Brooklyn boy, super nuts. His neighbor's dog told him to do it. All right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so he's in prison and there are all these rumors going around <coughs> that he was going to be able to uh, shop his story for like a movie deal with Hollywood and like thousands and thousands of dollars and just make bank off of this. And uh, Berkowitz denied it. He's like, no one's approaching me. Uh, but I tell you, like the legislature jumped on that quick. And so the Son of Sam law um, basically says that murderers cannot uh, sell this stuff. They cannot financially benefit from anything related to their crime. Mm -hmm. And that has really, um, well, I don't want to say that has cut down on the amount of murder memorabilia out there because of course it hasn't, but I think that they really have prevented, um, people from personally selling a lot of their stuff. But yeah. people found a workaround. Uh, so there's this man named Eric Gein. Uh, that is not his real last name. He changed it uh, for the industry, which, mm, okay. Mm. Because uh, Ed Gein, it was Ed Gein, right? He's the guy that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies are kind of based off of.
3: Oh, Ed Gein. Gein. Ed Gein. Fellow Midwesterner.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: And he's kind of the archetypal... Archety- he's the archetype of, like, white male serial killer. Yeah. Like, in terms of Hollywood Wait,
4: So was he, like, an axe-wielding maniac, or was he, like, just sort of, like, a manipulator who... he, he is
0: kind of... Um, he was kind of
3: Norman Bates-ish mm-hmm. in his, uh, you know, his relationship to his mother, and he sort of... He started abducting and killing and dismembering women, and he would make lampshades out of their skin, and he made a nipple belt and uh, some furniture covering. Um, And, uh, you know, in sort of a true Silence of the Lambs fashion, he made a body, skin suit. No, really?
4: Some guy actually changed his name to match... This person's last name because yeah. they were in the. See, that's not cool.
0: So, that's good old working. Eric Gein, he's also the person that everybody interviews. And apparently, he's gotten a shit ton of backlash since going, since talking to the press because he now goes by a, n- another last name. But on his site, he still refers to himself as Eric Gein. And he runs serial and so he basically says that uh, when eBay got kicked off, <clears throat> when all this stuff got kicked off of eBay, all these private collectors like him started just making their own websites. And he yeah. says that the way that he gets around these son of Sam laws, and by the way, basically every state has a son of Sam law except for four. And uh, out of those four states, only one has never had one. And then in the other states, they're just working through the next iteration. And that state is New Hampshire. Hmm. Um, so I guess that's a good place to be a murder collector. Uh But, uh, so Eric Gein says that what he does is he all got, he got started just being pen pals with murderers in prison. And then at one point someone asked him like, Hey, like, do you want this painting I made? And he's like, sure. And then they're talking, he's like, well, you know, like people are interested in buying this. And so now within prisons, he's known as like a, as a uh, like an art dealer for criminals, mm. Mm. and so they mail him their artwork, postcards, letters, whatever, teeth, who knows, mm. and he will no nail tripping. yeah, all the things, underwear, mm. and he will uh, then put them on his website and sell them, and he claims that none of this money that he makes off the website goes towards the murderers, but he'll put like $20 a week in your commissary. And that's mm. kind of the payback. So if he's like, mm-hmm. well, I won't he's like, well, they don't make any money off of it, but I'll help them out. You know, I'm making like, money
4: off of it.
3: Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just bullshit semantics.
0: <laughs> and so that's You're getting
3: a percentage of the sale.
0: Yeah. So, Um, But it was kind of funny, though, because apparently Andy Kahn and Eric Gein have beef with each other, I'm sure. Of course. Um, But there is this article where clearly the reporter was like talking between the two of them and like being like, oh, comment on this, comment on that. And it was kind of interesting seeing their somewhat direct responses to each other. Um, But uh, it is theoretically legal to sell this stuff. And to buy it. Sure. Um, but it is pretty uh unpleasant in terms it's of shady from, like, the moral shady thing.
3: in the moral side of things,
4: definitely. Most of this stuff from older crimes, like where it's back in the nineteenth century where no one's still alive, or is it all like kind of mostly modern criminals?
0: It's mostly from the little like serial killer blip that we had starting in what, like the sixties, seventies and then Kind of going even until today, like the Golden State Killer. I'm sure some of his stuff is up on there, and he's been caught, what, like a month?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I haven't seen anything yet, but I'm sure there's going to be a flood in the market of his stuff.
0: Um, So that is there's based... A- oh, sorry.
3: There's a myriad of Charles Mansion goodies out on the market.
0: I wonder if it um, there was a bit of a peak after he died.
4: I wonder what, like... Yes. It- the pop music recordings he made, like when he was younger before he had been arrested, like what? How, do, how does that sort of thing fall into this paraphernalia collection? Like, if you listen to Charles Manson's tunes, are you? Is it the Who same has as the right having? Who the rights to that? Yeah,
3: I guess. Who owns the rights to Charles Manson's music?
0: That's interesting. I don't know. I'd assume it would be his estate, but I mean, hmm.
3: Like, I mean, I, I assume it would be his estate, but does he even have copies of the have cop? You know, hmm. is he an ownership of a tape?
0: That would be interesting. I Was he any good? Have you listened to any of his stuff, Dennis?
4: I have not. I don't think he was that good because I think that he probably would have been more of a, you know, musician type instead of like a crazy cover type, although you never know, but it seemed like he was frustrated in his artistic endeavors.
0: It's like Hitler moved on he to used murder. To, uh, Hitler used <laughs> to sell these like postcards of scenic views to tourists because he didn't get into art school. Mm. Yeah. Um, although I just don't understand the leap from starving artist to serial killer, mass murderer, dictator. Apparently, there's a pattern here. Apparently,
4: <laughs> I, know, like, I think Hitler was in World War One, and like it kind of like made him more vicious than he was before. Although, you know, who knows, really?
0: I don't know. I guess cult leaders? I don't know. Hillary's kind of like a cult leader. Yeah. They, I guess they like art. Oh, I was trying to find well, something by Jim Jones. That was my mission when I was prepping for this. I was
4: wondering about that, too. But, I mean, apart from Kool-Aid, I don't know anything about, you know.
0: I did find
3: uh, a postcard that was sent from Jonestown. Um, but it wasn't from Jim Jones. It was from a resident to a family member. Oh my God.
0: Oh, that would be really rough.
3: It was cre it was creepy to read. It was it's beautiful here. Things are lovely. It's a utopia. Please, you should come.
4: You should definitely come.
0: <laughs> Just
4: sell everything and come here. It'll be awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, that's actually one thing that I wanted to ask you guys was, where is the line on this stuff? Like, how much is, how far is too far for you guys? For me? Yeah.
3: Um, I'm with, I like the letters, you know, the artwork is really bad and I don't want it hanging in my house. (laughs) Um, uh, the letters are interesting. Like Carl Panzram's book is really interesting. Um, I have a copy of that. Um, but Because, you know, the historical newsworthiness sort of gives you a, a insight, a perspective into who they were at the time. Um, but hair clippings, nail clippings...
2: Yeah. Uh, no.
3: You know, pointless... Uh, pointless artifacts or, you know, personal hygiene... That reflects a worship of the individual is is uh, where I draw
4: the line. I think even like stuff that's like maybe of historical interest could be bad if it's if you're holding it the wrong uh, the wrong way. I mean, what I mean is like yeah. if you didn't if you were like a really like if you thought that the South should have won the Civil War and like slavery should have continued and you hated Lincoln, if you collected John Wilkes Booth's guns and knives that he used like to. Uh, in the assassination of Lincoln and like to wound the guy in the box and then before he jumped down to the stage, and you're just like, This is so awesome, this guy's a hero. That's pretty distasteful. But in yeah. a different context, that could be yeah, this is the stuff they use. If it's sort of like more of a museum type thing, or this is the history of it type thing, that could be a different thing.
0: Well, that was actually something that I was thinking about when researching this <clears throat> is um subculture and um like subversion. And how, um, because when I was first thinking about crime memorabilia, the first thing I thought of was Susie Sue wearing a swastika in the 70s. Because I think a lot of people are drawn to true crime, or let me say, I am drawn to true crime and to learning about these murderers because it's subversive. And uh, so like, I know a lot of punk kids who collect iron crosses They're not Nazis. They just, it was like the 90s and the Holocaust seemed very far away and not nearly as threatening as it does now. And so um, there was like this weird fascination with Nazis. And um, I do think that times change. So example, my friend who does have a lot of this stuff collected, when Trump became elected president, he put it all in a box and he's like, it's not... Fun to have these things anymore because now this type of discrimination is real in a yeah. way that I wasn't feeling before um right. but like I do think that there's I don't know it's weird how the context of the times changes these items so it
4: definitely yeah I agree and like I think that when you have like something like, a nonviolent um a nonviolent crime that everyone everyone hates the person who's involved. Like that, that Skrelly guy who raised the price of toxoplasmosis meds. Oh, like,
0: you're talking about Mar- Martin Martin yeah. Screlly. And, and right. he, a bunch Donald of his bro. stuff
4: was seized um, by the government uh, after after he was convicted of fraud. And like it was this Wu Tang album that one the only one was ever pressed, you know, and it collecting that stuff, um, you, you might just want the Wu Tang album because you like the Wu Tang clan. But you also may be like, you know, Scurly did nothing wrong. And I'm going to take his stuff. I'm going to live the scrolly life with this stuff. It's not as distasteful as if he was a murderer, but it's still pretty gross. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah he was right to raise that medication price and get some money out of those people. <laughs>
3: uh, I, I have a really hard time with this. I, you know, because I love creepy shit. Like, I love the taxidermy and I love weird pictures and hauntings and all that stuff, but I just, um, I think the, I think if, if I had, you know, a bottomless pit of money and I saw something come up for auction that I thought shouldn't be out, you know, it'd be like a self-righteous purchase and donate it to some crime museum the Smithsonian or something. So there's just, so, it has a historical importance to remind us of something, perhaps, but it shouldn't be glorified.
0: Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what is the difference between having um, a lock of hair from Charles Manson in a museum versus in your private collection?
3: I don't know why a museum would have a lock of hair at Charles Manson, unless I mean, that doesn't make sense. So you don't
0: think it's okay there either? You just don't think it's okay? I
3: mean, it's fine. It seems apropos of nothing. I mean, I don't see what um, import it would carry in an actual museum.
4: If one of his followers Um, had it, maybe it would make sense to have that lock of hair. But just having his, like, high school yearbook, it's kind of strange.
3: Yeah. I don't, I think, I think. Locks of hair are gross, generally. So, you know, wearing it around my neck or having it hang on my wall is kind of like, yeah.
0: -hmm. Well, I guess I was just wondering about, is there anything that we would be okay with if it were in a museum, but we would not be okay with in a personal collection? Or is it more of, we would rather have everything in a museum, but, like, the things that are off-limits are off-limits for both. Does that make sense? Um...
3: I don't think anything is off limits for a museum. I think if you know what the collection is, it's your decision to go and see it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of museums that display a lot of things that people say they're offended with. I mean, Giuliani and the pissed Jesus thing, right like back a decade ago. So, you know. But, I mean, it all goes back to, uh, you know, things that related to the First Amendment, which is a big thing with the paintings and such, going back to the prisoners and their, and their right to paint and then distribute. Mm-hmm. Um, the Supreme Court has said that prisoners do have First Amendment rights, but if there's a leg- legitimate, let me get this right, genealogical concern, then they don't have rights to a certain degree. So I think it's, I think a museum can display whatever it wants to under this First amendment.
4: It's kind of a matter of if it's presented tastefully, which is kind of weird because that's a very subjective, subjective thing. But like if it's, if it's a museum that's glorifying what a uh, serial killer did, um, that wouldn't be cool to me. If it was a museum kind of saying, this is what happened, and it's just like laying it out either neutrally or like saying this is not good, it would be okay for me. But you wonder how much of your personal viewpoint um, is affecting like that. Like where where's the actual line that society should draw?
0: So it's about yeah. context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that.
4: Well, so think about like uh, there was a, there's some, the Lana Turner affair knife, which was, this actress, Lana Turner, had, had a bunch of, um, she she would just have affairs with various gents. And, like, there's this one guy who's mobbed up who got violent when she was trying to break it off. And her daughter, um, Lana Turner's daughter, came into the room and stabbed him, and he died. Um, and so it, it was declared justifiable homicide, and, you know, no one was convicted of anything. And life moved on. But you might be like, yeah, that, that's awesome. It's empowering. Like, I want to collect that knife. Um, because it's justifiable. At, at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, this was actually used to kill someone. So it's justifiable, but is that cool? It, it seems a little bit a little bit dizzy because you could just get you could really kind of wander off into the weeds of morality doing mm-hmm.
0: that. Uh, well, we only have a few more minutes left. Uh, so I just wanted to end the show uh, by asking you guys if y'all found anything. Interesting, weird, disturbing. Anything you actually want when y'all were looking into this? Like, hit me with your best of crime memorabilia. I found some
3: really weird shit. Yeah, um, there's uh, the there are swatches of the purple fabric from the Heaven's Gate shrouds for sale. Oh, wow. And then I think my favorite one is that when Clyde Barrow was executed the pants he was wearing were cut up into 870 pieces so you can buy a piece of that if you want
0: okay um That's yeah. i i'm a little bit speechless That's <laughs> an, i guess he was kind
4: of a folk hero in some ways but like it's still pretty weird having his electric chair pants
0: i yeah. get over the heaven's gate fabric Ugh. i know
3: um, the one, the really fucked up, the one, I'll, one last thing, the really fucked up thing that I found was someone was selling a column, buying you the book.
4: Yeah, no, that's, that's just, I mean, if you didn't go to that that's, high school, like that's pretty gross.
3: That's some morbid shit right there.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And again, school shootings are so present, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Dennis, did you uh, pick one item that you want to I share?
4: Admit, I didn't really look for what you could actually buy. I was looking at various kinds of crimes, and I found a crime that wasn't actually a violent crime. It was called the Piltdown Man hoax. And basically, this guy in England said, I found these bone fragments. I'm not sure where they're from. They look really old. And he and this other guy glued them back together and said, oh, this must be the missing link between ape and man. It turned out, you know, that people were casting doubt on it right away, but it, they were kind of ignored until years later when they did a Test to test the actual age of the bones. And it came out that it was like parts of a uh, orangutan jaw and like a human uh, cranium huh. that they had put together. So it's something that's just like scientific fraud. It's kind of like, it's kind of laughable and innocent now, but like, it's like, it's, you it's, this thing exists out there somewhere.
0: Oh my God. So that would be so funny that I was just thinking about the idea that there's probably people out there making forgeries of, uh, crime items. That's true. Yeah. So you have like crime on crime on crime?
4: Fake, fake Manson p- paintings.
0: But um, I think that's all for today. Uh, honestly, I could go on. I think this is a very interesting topic to discuss. And it sounds like there's like a little bit of disagreement between us in terms of what we tolerate. <laughs> um, or at least I think I might have a little bit more of a tolerance for some of these items uh, I promise I'm not a serial killer um, nor have I bought any of this stuff I have, I'd have. i rather spend my money at Ulta um, but anyway this is Crime Talk thank you for tuning in uh, thank you Megan and thank you Dennis uh, thank you, and we will all talk again next Saturday at 11am
2: bye bye-bye
1: Pretty looking people, but I can tell you, people—they were the devil's children. Bonnie and Clyde began their evil doing one lazy afternoon down Savannah Way. They robbed a store and hightailed out of that town. Got clean. Their reputation and made the graduation into the banking business. Weeks full of sky, sweet talking pride would holler, as far and loaded up.